0: Hey, everyone, welcome to the show today. And for all of you right now that are thinking and asking the question, am I in a healthy relationship? Am I, you know, when, when you start to measure the bar, well, today I have somebody that is going to be able to help us all understand that what is that point where we need to start thinking about, okay, this may not be as healthy for myself as I should be wanting, but even more importantly, this, this Awesome guest has just written how to have a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world. So we're going to get some key takeaways that right now, this is October. We are now in it is the domestic violence awareness month. And we're going to really be looking at like, are there are there certain things that you can be doing in your relationship to up-level yourself, to be a better partner? And isn't that like that would ultimately have us all get to another level of our own happiness. So I have Dr. Laura Streffler on today. She's a licensed mental health counselor who maintains a private counseling practice as well. She's board certified expert in traumatic stress And Dr. Laura is a diplomat of the American Academy of Experts in Trauma. You're hearing all trauma here. But really, when I started to talk to her and understand, like, there's more issues going on right now with relationships, and what can we actually do to elevate ourselves to be a better partner, to understand that with all the stresses going on, that you do have a, a you have choices to make. You're listening to the Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hilary De Caesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach, widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. So I want to welcome Dr. Laura. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Well, and I think we have a lot to cover because there is so much going on in the world that we have anxieties. I know that right now you are in Florida and there is a hurricane that is being, you know, basically you're being told in the next 24 hours that this is going to come in. And we started to talk before the show and it's like, okay, between climate issues, hurricanes, fires, global pandemics. It seems like today, Dr. Laura, there is just so much stress and anxiety that, I mean, what what can we do before we even begin this conversation? Like, how do we even begin to start to control all of these pressures that are coming on us?
1: Well, the first thing we need to do is remember to breathe. You know, oxygen, one, it's just, it kind of gives us a minute to get grounded, but the oxygen also counteracts the adrenaline. And, you know, so many people are or feel like they are in survival mode right now that they're not even taking a minute to sit and breathe.
0: It's so true. We have these short little breaths, right? We're like, we don't take that, like really breathe in the oxygen, as you said
1: yeah, and people don't even realize they're not breathing. I have people come into my office every day and I just have to say, breathe. You know, they you know, and if they're breathing, it's mm-hmm. it's that anxiety breathing and not just the relaxation breathing. So breathing is really a, a critical part, not only that air we breathe to live, but also to relax. Already within
0: the first couple of minutes, you've gotten the best therapy advice out there. (laughs) Take a deep breath, everybody. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Exactly. So, now, Dr. Laura, you know, what caused you at this point? Because I I love that I, I went to your website and in getting to know you more, you said therapy is not just for crazy people. Therapy is often for healthy people who want to have healthier lives.
1: Well, I've been a therapist for about 30 years now and, you know, thank goodness things have changed substantially where more and more people are getting into therapy. You know, and it's just really about gathering tools and learning different healthier ways to deal with life situation. And sometimes it's just about vomiting getting rid of all the stress and the anxiety and to be able to just hear your thoughts outside your head instead of inside your head. So,
0: you know, do you think that the perception of therapy is as more people are starting to awaken to this idea of like
1: talking to someone's a good thing, right? I think it depends on... Who are you talking to? As a general overall answer, I'd say yes. I think for younger people, it's very mainstream. Um, I think for kids and college students, and even people in their young 20s, you know, therapy is a staple, something that they're very used to. People in their 50s, 60s, 70s, You know, I've seen so many older people in my practice that have said to me, I've never been to therapy before. They never had a reason. um, Well, they've had plenty of reason to go to therapy, but they either believed it was for crazy people or it was something that you kept in the family or you didn't talk to people about things or they didn't want to appear weak. Um, But now there are just so many stressors that people just are struggling with, not only stress and anxiety, but panic and depression. And it's getting to the point where they can't deal with it themselves. So they're finally reaching out for help and society is telling them it's okay to do that.
0: Which is so great. I have a great story that a friend of mine, when she was much younger, she was a waitress and there was this darling couple that came in And they uh, had obviously been together for, you know, many, many years of which she found out they had been together 50 plus years. And my girlfriend said, so, you know, what do you attribute the success of your marriage? And the, the lady said, January. And my friend was like, January, well, January, she said, every January, we go to therapy, no matter if we need it or not. And if we really need it, we stay in therapy for, you know, as long as we need you know, month, two months, three months. And if we're really good, then we only have one or two or three sessions. So I was, I've always thought about that, that, you know, there's this point where it's not, it's not looked at as being a negative. It's looked at as being, you know, something really that can help you get through the stressors. And one of the things that as you and I were talking these days, there's, you know, you've written this great book, how to have a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world why did you feel like right now was the time that you had to get this book out, which I understand just launched yesterday with the paperback? So, congratulations. Ooh, but why? Yeah. Why was this so important for you to write this
1: book? Well, it, there were a couple of things. One, for years, you know, I've worked with victims of domestic violence, sexual um, violence, child abuse, people whose normal wasn't healthy and they didn't know what healthy looked like or didn't um, believe it could happen to them. And when we would do um, domestic or sexual violence education and explain things, people would say, Laura, I, I know about all this. I've been living it my whole life. What I don't know is how to have a healthy relationship. And they really wanted somebody to show them how to do that. And I do it with clients all the time in my practice. And it really has made a big difference. On top of that, through COVID, what I saw was people feeling so out of control and not being able to deal with all the things that were going on in the world. Um, Like you said, the um, the global warming the uh covid not being able to go places, feeling stuck in the house with their partner um the drinking and drugging just skyrocketing because people were self medicating things that they never processed, and they didn't understand how to deal with with tough stuff um They just would go out to dinner or go to work or go do something and keep themselves busy and pretended that there were no issues. And then all of a sudden something came up and they had no place to go. And it was in people's faces. And they it was time that people were willing to look at a different way. I've seen more couples in my practice in the past year or two than I've probably seen in the past ten
0: so this is interesting because more people are coming to see you because of the pandemic and you're absolutely you're, and you're saying that there was, you know, before the pandemic, we always had the out. We could keep ourselves busy being busy, right? I can go here. I can whereas then all of a sudden we were like you know we had to be in one place we couldn't leave there wasn't a there wasn't an out you couldn't go travel you couldn't go do some business travel you had to you had to be present but i guess what i'm also hearing is that there's a positive here that more people are willing to give it a chance are willing to give therapy what do you when do you suggest people come and see you at what point are you like you guys need to have a little counseling
1: well you talk about the january couple i have a couple of couples like that that i see i call it maintenance that they come and once a month everything that's gone on we kind of talk about it and process it and how it was handled how you know what worked what didn't you know different things um i don't usually tell people when they should come i think that's that's their call. Um, You know, a lot of times I'll say to couples, as soon as they come in, I can tell, you know, what is it, me or the divorce attorney? And, you know, sometimes, and you'd be surprised how often the answer is yes. And sometimes they just want to go through the motions so they can say they did everything that they could to make the relationship work. And a lot of times that's because there are kids involved and they really want to be able to stay together for their kids, but they wait so long that one or both of them is really, you know, done. And then there are people that really have a problem and say, we need to go talk to somebody. I really love you. um, And I want this to work. And, you know, the way that I do couples counseling Mm -hmm. is I help couples talk to each other. Some couples therapists, I say, you know, it's almost like they're the mom or the dad and the, The couple is like the two siblings, you know, wanting to say, you know, who's right and which side. It's it's not about who who's right. It's about being able to communicate where the message sent is the same as the message received, and that's where communication is healthier. Um, But what happens is couples seem to have the same argument or two over and over again for a year or two or ten, you know, depending. And they just never really resolve. So it's not that there's everything wrong in their relationship. There's something. And for whatever reason, it starts going through all the emotions and all the other times they've had the argument. And, you know, I feel so strongly, my partner should know, you know, they start shooting on each other. Well, Mm -hmm. you should know this, but, you know, loving somebody doesn't make your partner psychic. And, if I hope
0: everyone heard that,
1: because <laughs> a lot of times
0: we're with somebody and you
1: think, well, you should know that. You should know that, yeah, or you should it's know that. so obvious. Like, why don't you know that? Yeah. Now, if if my partner after ten years doesn't know that I like cream in my coffee and never really paid attention, okay, that we might be able to say. And still, you don't want to shoot on them, but you're kind of hoping your partner pays more attention. Yeah. So it's, that's different than, you know, just expecting them to know what you're thinking or feeling.
0: So Dr. Laura, you hit on something that I think I have heard from so many individuals, and that is, we're going to stay together until the kids leave the house. We're going to stay together and, you know, we're going to make sure because we don't want to disrupt the kids. Can you share what your thoughts are on that whole approach?
1: Well, I think, you know, and and I'm hesitating and I'm kind of choking on my words because I can't stand the term um, broken home. You know, so often I'll have parents that'll say to me, well, I came from a broken home. Well, a, a relationship that, that didn't work, I, I'm trying to think how to word it, doesn't necessarily mean it was broken. You know, uh, the home is broken. Research shows that kids that grow up with two parents that can communicate and co-parent together um, separately and yet love them do better and grow up healthier than, two, than kids that grow up with two parents that really can't stand each other or with his domestic violence and they're afraid, um, or one parent has lives at the address, but is never there. Um, so a lot of times people think they're staying together for the kids, but is it really what's best for the kids? In some cases it might be, but in a lot of cases it isn't. So mm. the question is, is it really for the kids Or is it really for one of the partners who's not ready to leave and says it's because of the kids?
0: So in that scenario, do you have both um, the man and the woman or the couple come in and talk to you? Or do you think it's best to have therapy with just, you know, maybe the woman first and then the man or, or how do you do that?
1: I always see couples separately. And before I see them together, I always say, I have to see you as a me before I see you as a we. And the reason that I do that is one, because of my background in domestic violence, I, I want to make sure that it's safe. And I don't necessarily mean that somebody's going to get um, physically hurt, but that they will in no way be punished by what they tell me. Or sometimes one partner isn't ready um, to tell the other partner, something that's going on, but needs me as the facilitator. I think of myself more as a mediator or a translator than anything else when I do couples counseling. So I need to understand fully where both people are coming from. Doesn't mean I have to disclose it to the other partner, but I need to to understand. And sometimes when you see couples together, you'll have one that Um, we'll want to answer for the other, or we'll talk over the other. And one doesn't really have a voice, which, you know, tells me a lot, but that's not,
0: you know, Mm.
1: a couple's session. And I don't think it's safe to do it. Then I won't see them together.
0: Got it. So as we go into a very quick break, I'd like to, when we come back, really talk about, the you know physical abuse versus emotional abuse and where does that go from just being in a relationship and you guys are talking and you're not really getting along to that emotional abuse situation. So when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Laura and getting at more of these specific questions. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today. At www.therelaunchbook.com. And welcome back everyone. I have Dr. Laura with me. We are breaking down relationships and what is going on in today's society. And one of the questions I asked her over this break was at what point did we start to understand that there is something called emotional abuse in marriages that has recently really come to a head and when do we classify it as abuse because physically we understand when you know somebody has you know had some a hit or or something we can understand the physical but emotional dr laura seems like it's a little bit harder to identify and pin down is that true
1: it absolutely is true and I've had so many clients say to me over the years, You're gonna be mad at me when I say this, or you're gonna think that I'm crazy when I say this. But I just wish he would hit me or she would hit me. Uh, usually it's he. but um, you know, gender roles have changed so much that we, and it can go, you know, either way. Because they say, I just wish they would hit me because then I would know I was being abused Hmm. and really emotional and psychological. That is heartbreaking. (laughs) I've heard that more, more times than I have fingers and toes Um, because they keep thinking, I'm just, I'm just crazy. It's just me. I must be the problem, you know, because really emotional abuse um, is on your feelings, is on your heart, is on your self esteem. You know you're a worthless piece of shit, and it's a good thing I'm with you because nobody would want your sorry ass. Um, you know, I think I probably shouldn't say this on, but you know, this is yeah. these are the real words. This is this is real life, and people, um, you know, it's it's bullying, you know, and we it's gaslighting or crazy make we used to call it crazy making, which doesn't mean it makes people crazy. It just makes people feel crazy and being crazy and feeling crazy are two totally different things.
0: Hmm, That is so true. And you just hit upon something that when you are in a relationship, do you find with your experience that this starts kind of right away with the marriage or is this something that comes out later?
1: No, usually and the other thing before we get to that is also because people think they're the same, um, but they're not. There's also mental or psychological abuse, and that's using fear or manipulation or coercion for or head games or gaslighting um to get a partner to do what you want. So they're a lot of times they're verbal, not always, so it kind of goes under the umbrella of verbal abuse, but emotional abuse and mental abuse are two different things. And usually, you know, if you have one, you have the other. So they get the head and the heart at the same time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you know, I'm all about the three HQ, the head, the heart, the higher self. And what you're saying is that it really, it impacts you on all levels.
1: Well, it absolutely does. And which is a perfect transition into, does it happen in the beginning, the answer is generally not. Um, mm. You know, it comes in with you know the the new term is love bombing. We used to call it honeymoon, which which was you know after um, some type of argument or um, assault, but it's basically where you're, you're beautiful and you're intelligent and you can't do anything wrong. And there's teddy bears and flowers and jewelry. And, you know, it's basically like winning the love lottery. Um, and it's a way to hook you in. It's a form of manipulation. I tell people all the time, if it, if it seems too good to be true, it usually is you know, and our third age, our higher self, even when that's happening, and it usually happens anywhere from three to six, some people get a little bit longer months. um, But there's usually something and the gut says something's not right, but everything else is so good, people ignore their gut. And I always say your gut is never wrong, and you can't say, "Damn that gut! I wish I, I wish I hadn't listened to it." But you know, people don't. And as time goes on, the emotional abuse, the messages that kind of sprinkled in, and the psychological abuse is sprinkled in, um, and so it's a very slow, insidious process. So people start to doubt themselves and not their partner. And especially for people that aren't being physically abused, there's nothing concrete. And so they start questioning themselves. Um, very often they start to be isolated from their support system. Um, well, and if
0: you think about it, Dr. Lura, with the whole pandemic, I mean, did you are you seeing a spike in both emotional and physical abuse right now? because of that, because there wasn't an out that, you know, they're always together.
1: There was a spike in domestic violence, even with some of the physical violence. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I have very mixed feelings about, you know, they're not calling it emotional or mental abuse or domestic violence. Now they're calling it narcissist abuse. You know, a narcissist is a, is a very serious uh, mental health diagnosis. It's a personality Um, disorder. A lot of the behaviors, people can be abusive and do some of these behaviors without being a narcissist. But I think right now, narcissist abuse is a very trending hashtag topic. Um, It's something people are reading about and talking about and feeling very open about saying so do I think it's happening more? Absolutely not. Do I think people are talking about it more? Absolutely. I think that emotional and mental abuse have been going on in epidemic proportions for many years. Um, so I still think as you're
0: saying this, for those that are you know listening to this and is there is there a point, that clinically you can say, this is when it goes from just being mean, just being a little like nasty, just being a little bit like sensitive to this is now abuse.
1: A lot of it comes from intent. You know, one of the chapters that I have in my first book, which is about domestic violence, called Wife Beater Shirt Optional, There Is No Dress Code For Domestic Violence. You know, I call the chapter Assholes and Bitches. And basically that just because somebody's an asshole doesn't mean they're a batter. Mm -hmm. And you know, there there are plenty of people that that do not nice things, or even some of the things might be abusive, but there's a difference between the clinical definition and the legal definition. And clinically, even if it's not physical violence and it's not something you can get arrested for, domestic violence is where one person uses these behaviors to try to control the other person. So it's about controlling and manipulating the partner. It's a pattern of behavior. It's not somebody that says something nasty or might've hurt your feelings. It's a pattern of behavior to try to control their partner, feeling like if they don't keep them on a leash that they're going to run away. So they don't want them to feel good about themselves or feel strong. And the idea that if they knew their worth, um, they would leave. So they make sure that they don't know their worth, feel their worth, um, or their partner feels that that they're have more power, have more control and are, are better, smarter, faster, because they always want to win. They have to win. They have to be right. You know, their voice is the only way that the only one that matters my way or the highway.
0: So in this, if, if let's just say you're a woman and you're starting to say, Oh, wait a second. I do feel like my partner is trying to control me is what is the best approach for them at this point? What What's the first step that people can do?
1: Well, I think if, if people don't hear anything else I say, I think people need to listen to this. This is the most important thing. First of all, if you're the person, you need to trust your gut. You know your situation better than anybody. And I've worked with four different women in 30 years who had never been hit in their relationship, but were in very controlling relationships. And when they left, their husband set the house on fire. Because <laughs> I'm uh, oh like, oh gosh, you know,
0: that, that, but that's an anomaly, right? The four. Well,
1: at four times, said, you know, the first time I heard it, and then I heard it again and again, you know, and these were not, you know, the stereotype you know, people, and the reason that I say that, it doesn't mean if you leave that that's gonna happen, but you know your partner better than anybody. And just because they've been able to control one partner without without any physical violence, that doesn't mean that when a victim takes his or her control back and tries to leave, that the violence might not escalate. So you always have to have a safety plan and you know and think about that and implement that before you just pick up and leave in some relationships if you don't believe that your partner would do that and you know them well then then trust that but if you think that there's a chance that they're going to escalate you need to trust that too and if you're a person where it's your friend or your family member or you know your next door neighbor never say to somebody you have to leave Because victims are people pleasers and they're going to do things because they don't want people to be mad at them or to like them. And they always are going to think somebody else knows better. And you have to have a plan. A lot of times you have to have a safety plan and you have to do it safely. And if people aren't leaving, it's because they're not ready. And if they leave before they're ready, they're going to go back anyway. So you need to. That's interesting. When you're ready. I'm here. Not you have to get ready because I don't think you should be there. Well, you
0: know, there's that show. I think it's called Pretty Little Li- Lies, Liars. Pretty Little Liars. Yep, um, I
1: thought
0: with Nicole Kidman. And there's that whole scene in there. Not seeing it, I think it carries over into multiple shows where she is in a um, domestic violent relationship, and it does take time, and she plots it out and it's during that time, she is going to see a therapist as well. It's a scary, I mean, the whole thing is super well, it's, scary. It's
1: scary. And if you're going to talk about that, I was actually very annoyed, mm. actually angry when I watched that, because in many ways, I thought they did a good job. But the therapist that she went to see told her to leave and said things that in a real life situation could have put her in more danger
0: interesting. So for those that watch it and somehow, you know, they think, well, why isn't my therapist telling me to leave that they're you're really a prop-
1: She told her and what she told her to do as a therapist, you don't have the right to tell anybody to do anything. That's not the job of a therapist. The job of a therapist is to listen and to help people help themselves and to let them tell you what works for them, not you tell them. You know, it's not a therapist's job to tell somebody what to do. 75% and in my experience, it's much higher, but this is what the research says. So we have to go with the research. 75% of women that get killed in violent relationships get killed when they leave. They don't get killed for staying. They get killed when they leave because that's when they're taking the control back. So it's really important to let somebody tell you their situation, not to tell them what's best for them, because you know better. Nobody knows better. Everybody has their own path. Everybody, you know, is given free will. And, you know, sometimes free will is making a choice that's that's unsafe or unhealthy. Um, but you know what? That's That's their choice. And if they do it because it's something somebody else tells them to do, and god forbid happens is that something you want on your conscience.
0: Hmm. So knowing that this month is domestic violence awareness when you see research out there how many how many marriages relationships do you believe are involved in something unhealthy?
1: Well, unhealthy is is different than domestic violence. I mean, the research says, you know, 50 percent will be in some type of abusive relationship in their lifetime. You know, and that's what's just being reported. Um, That's a lot. 50 percent in some people. People don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not going on. It means they're not talking about it. And the people that aren't talking about it, they're not talking because they're afraid.
0: Mm. Now that, that makes sense. Um, so when you when you look at those numbers and you said that the numbers are actually going up because you're even seeing more people coming in for therapy. Do you do you believe that? It's going to like what what now that we're giving it more and more awareness, thankfully, we have this month or we're highlighting it. Is this the best way or is there even more ways that we should be doing to really say, you know, we got We got to get these numbers down.
1: Well, I think, again, domestic violence is where one person has all or a vast majority of control in the relationship and the other person has one, has none. Some people call it codependent, but it's not because it's not, you know, 50-50 where they're dependent on each other. It's one person is pretty much, you know, totally dependent. Now that gender roles have changed and Women are out in the workforce, very often making more money than you know their partners. Um, you know that's changed significantly than when I started doing this in the late '80s. Um, you know it's it's a lot different. Um, but there are a lot of couples having a lot of problems because a lot of things aren't going well in their, in the world, and a lot of things haven't gone well in their lives. And some people blame their partner for things that aren't working in their lives because they don't want to work, look at themselves. That's you know, complete. your tribe attracts your tribe. So really, the healthier you get, the healthier you attract. And oh. maybe not the same way, but the same level of, of healthy, which is why another reason why I wrote this book Because people need to do the work and learn some of the red flags and how to have a healthy relationship. Otherwise, they keep getting in the same type of relationship. I call it the same person with a different name, because that's their normal. And for them, what's normal is very different than what's healthy.
0: Oh, so we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk more about that same person with a different name. And also we've been talking about a lot of the downside, give some key takeaway tips that people can start to work on to have a healthy relationship. And so when we come back, we'll go into that. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Everyone, welcome back. I am here with Dr. Laura, and we're talking about relationships unhealthy and how we can make them healthier. This is gonna be a very important part for us to really be focused on with the tips to make these healthy relationships when this is such an unhealthy world right now we're living in. And one of the things, Dr. Laura, as we were taking a break, we were talking about same person, different name, how we keep bringing in those people. Can we talk about that? And then I'm really curious then to move into... We hear often about traditional relationships versus non-traditional. and what where does what does that actually mean? So let's first talk about why do people fall into this cycle of same person, different name?
1: Because we are, I believe, we all come to this planet to learn lessons, and every person that's significant in our life comes to teach us something. And if we don't learn the lesson, then we keep meeting the same person, I call it with a different name, you know, usually an escalated version each time um, until you learn the lesson. And then once you do that, that person seems to work their way out of their life, out of your life and you work on a different lesson.
0: And so, this lesson. So, when you notice everybody out there that is starting to bring in the same type of person, what is your best suggestion for people when they're like, wait a second, I'm seeing a pattern here? What do you, how do you get them to say, all right, are you, are you getting your lesson? And how do you help them move through the lesson a little faster?
1: Right. Because every challenge comes with, you know, a lesson. And a lot of times in relationships, some of the lessons have to do with boundaries, but most often I see them having to do with, you know, perceptions of self-worth and believing that they're lovable. And you're not going to get somebody that's going to love you in a healthy way if you don't feel like you deserve love. Because Mm -hmm. going down to
0: those core beliefs too. Limiting beliefs and not feeling loved, not feeling safe, not feeling worthy. Well, not
1: only not feeling loved, but not feeling lovable. Mm. Not only that I'm not loved, but I'm not worthy of love. I'm not good enough to be loved. And especially if the messages in your family of origin, the family you grew up with, and maybe early boyfriends or girlfriends, you know, gave you negative messages and everybody's saying the same things people start to believe them and basically say to other people so tell me what do i think of myself and then integrate that into their self-perception and that's when it gets very unhealthy
0: Mm. and so when you're talking about this it it makes me think right now where marriage relationships are, are changing I mean it's the fundamentals a lot of people are starting to feel like is there a traditional or an, is it more non-traditional now what are you thinking is really happening with relationships and you know how are you how are you kind of seeing the landscape change
1: well relationships um, are changing gender roles have changed we not only have the gender roles changing where more women are are working and going to school and doing other things, but also um, with pronouns and with um, gender fluid, there's all sorts of change um, that way. But traditionally um, it was one man, one woman for as long as you both may live. But now um, in the LBGTQIA community, people are getting married. Um, So that's become in most circles more socially acceptable, but there are also a lot of what seemingly seem non-traditional that are becoming much more mainstream, things like um, swinging and polyamory and BDSM and May-December relationships um, interracial relationships. There are all different types of relationships that may not be traditional, but as long as they both have free will, or or more than both, have free will consent and there's no manipulation or coercion, then they can be healthy relationships. Just okay, not- Dr.
0: Laura, what is this made a December relationship?
1: A may- what is that? A May to December relationship is a relationship where there's more of a 15-year age difference between the partners, mm-hmm. but they're both over 18. You know, they're both got it. You know, so there
0: are so many non-traditional types of relationships these days. And in your book, you go into this in more detail. What what are you are you seeing that this is going to continue? Like we're we're not going to go back to that traditional. Like it seems like it's dropping quite a bit or what is do you
1: dropping things are are changing um the average marriage i don't know what an average marriage is but research says the average marriage is lasting 10 years
0: um is divorce so- higher is it it used to be 50% and then second marriages ending would be 63 and then third marriages it was around 76% are those still kind of true? Are you seeing that they're actually increasing or decreasing?
1: Well, I think, you know, it depends who you talk to. I think you could probably find research to support anything. They say, they're saying what they call the gray divorce, people middle-aged and older um, are divorcing at a much higher level than they ever have before people are living a lot longer than they ever have before. So you get somebody that's 50 or 60 that thinks I still might have 20 years left where years ago that was considered, you know, the beginning of the end. Mm. Um, You know, so people are looking at their lives differently now and not everybody that goes into a marriage is going in where this is forever, you know, it's, until it doesn't work anymore.
0: Hmm. I get that. So in your book, when you talk about how to have a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world, what are some of the key tips and takeaways that we could actually start to use today in our relationships?
1: Well, I think when you are having a a conflict with your partner, you have to think about what's more important, the issue or the relationship if the issue is more important maybe substance abuse or infidelity or something that's a deal breaker to you then you need to look at that but if the relationship is more important then how important is is being right and it's important to listen to your partner and you can validate what they're saying thinking or feeling without agreeing with the content you know and i think a lot of times you know, when people are sharing their thoughts or feelings, they want to be validated. They not don't necessarily have to be right, but they want to feel heard and validated. So let your partner know that you're that you're hearing them um, and that what they have to say matters to you, whether or not you agree with it.
0: Hmm. So could you give us another takeaway, another tip that we might be able to think about as well?
1: I think you know, technology has a lot of um, benefits, but it also has a lot of drawbacks. And you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is I call it menage a trois, and it's the couple and technology is the third person, which isn't really a person, um, in the bed. And what happens is there's more attention going to the technology even in the marital bed than to the partner, and I think there needs to come a time where you put your phone away and your iPad away and focus on each other and not just on the device.
0: Mm, I think that we all can sometimes claim, you know, to be a part of that where it's just, you know, you get so caught up in going to bed and then you're, Oh, I just want to check
1: all you know, do it. And
0: one it, last time. I just need to check it one last time.
1: And it's, You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is what they call technoference. And the thing is, it's not only being on it, but if you have it right there, then it's that hypervigilance waiting. And when it dings, all of a sudden, all your attention goes to the device and away from the partner. So having time where you put it on silent or put it in the other room, you know, it's okay.
0: Is that what you suggest? You say, put it in the other room or... I mean, is, I, that best, I, is that the best, is that the best way? Cause then all of a sudden people will say, but then I can't wake up in the morning because my alarm is in the other room. I mean, there's.
1: So buy an alarm clock for 1299.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to say that.
1: I knew you were going to say mean, that. Well,
0: it, one thing
1: I do want it, one thing I, go ahead. Is it that you can't wake up or that's just a really convenient excuse to say you need your phone?
0: Mm, and well, that's why, you know, there's there's no, people that you don't, don't even have.
1: your partner. Yep.
0: Totally. I I think, you know what it does? It makes a ton of sense because we are so, you know, this, I mean, literally up until we go to sleep and even when you're setting your alarm, do you then quickly go and check something else? So I think that that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that you also talk about is this idea that, you know, the technology also brings outside influences and there's the ability for porn and, and you have a pretty strong opinion on you know porn and cheating can we go into that
1: well i think you know one of the big questions that people always ask is is porn cheating and the simple answer is no it's not cheating it's only cheating if it goes against the rules of the relationship every relationship has rules and if in the relationship you know porn is considered cheating Then it's cheating. It's cheating in that relationship. The porn itself isn't cheating, but it violates the rules of the relationship. Some couples watch porn together, so it absolutely um, wouldn't be. Now it becomes unhealthy, which is different than cheating. It becomes unhealthy in the relationship where one partner or both partners are using so much porn that they'd rather be you know, watching porn and masturbating to porn than being with their partner. And it starts to interfere with the sex life with the partner. Then it becomes a problem.
0: So you're saying that there is a healthy way to use porn.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: And then once you start to realize, wait a second, we've kind of taken it to the next level where now we're not finding pleasure between us. We're only finding pleasure with the with the actual porn that's when you've kind of crossed the line and you need to readdress
1: it. Well, yeah, because then it's a problem in the relationship. It mm-hmm. may not be cheating because, you know, you both have said that, you know, you're okay with it, but now it's interfering with the relationship. So now it's a problem. It's not that somebody's doing something wrong or bad. Um, you know, unless they're watching something, you know, that you know, child porn or whatever. Then we're having a whole different conversation. Exactly. Um, But, you know, it's interfering with the relationship. And so that's when it becomes, anything becomes a problem. Although I have, you know, people that will come in that, you know, watch porn and their partner sends them in, says, you have to go, you have to go see her because you're, 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 you're addicted to porn. Well, watching porn and liking porn doesn't make somebody a porn addict. You know, there's criteria for addiction. Um, And, you know, it's usually more of a a fear of intimacy or vulnerability. There are other, there are definitely- Mm,
0: There's bigger issues to be uncovered.
1: You know, but it's, you know, it's not that. It's just, there's a lot of safety behind the screen. Totally get that. But Dr. Laura-
0: (laughs) As unfortunately, we're running out of time, probably should have addressed this at the beginning because people are very interested in you know how to handle this. But where can people follow up with you if they have additional questions or how can they get, you know, where can they find how to have a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world?
1: The how to have a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever you buy your books from. Um, my website is drlaracounseling.com Um, my email is drlaura at com. And if you want to call or text me, it's on the website.
0: Mm, and especially right now, given that this is domestic violence awareness month, I can't thank you enough for coming on highlighting this because we do have to be aware that sometimes, you know, we don't want to think about our relationship in those ways because it's it's scarier than just to kind of like push it underneath the mat. So really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, your suggestions, especially the tips on how to have a healthy relationship and for those that want to hear more about you know the the actual month and helping put the word out that this isn't acceptable is there a place that you suggest is it your website to hear more about some of the things that you can do
1: absolutely um you know or the national coalition against domestic violence has a lot of information on their website that way people can tune in you know, I tune in, but it doesn't matter what state, most states have their own coalition, um, you know, and can get information. They all have safe and confidential shelters and hotlines, which doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go in there, but if you need some help making a safety plan or knowing how to do that, they can help you.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here again. Dr. Laura Struffler. And please, if you are in a situation where you are at all uncomfortable with your relationship, reach out to her. And again, this is about awareness and making sure that you know as much as you need to. Thanks again, everyone, for being here. Relaunch and always relaunch in that safe, wonderful way. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.